Hello, everyone. This is the uh, new episode of Zeno Chat. I am uh, Tyler, one of the co-hosts, along with my other co-host, Justin. Hello, everybody. And we have two guests today. Uh, one of them is Kat. Hello. And the other is Mary. Hi. All right. So today, um, based on our uh, poll we ran a little while ago, the topic is love and the Zeno series. Uh, before we go into that, though, let's uh, get news out of the way. There really isn't that much news. Um the one th- thing there was the uh, Cosmos version four uh, extra coding uh, figurine that's co- uh, co- having a re-release. Looks like it's coming out in October. Is that the Kotobukiya one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm always really torn on those figures because on one hand, Kotobukiya they always release figures that look really great, mm-hmm. but they can be a pain in the ass to build. At least maybe yeah, I'm just really so bad much, at it. I'm not oh. so much of a builder myself, so I, I usually skip those. Yeah, because yeah. that that scale one you got was Kotobukiya, wasn't it? It was, and yeah, it took me a long time to build that thing. It's uh. nice, but I am always afraid of knocking it over because I've done it before. <laughs> so I don't want that to happen again. Uh. Well, in a way, it's it's kind of a good thing that I'm not a builder, because now that I'm in two Gundam, it could be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, snap, you're in the Gundam? <laughs> yeah. Like, I started watching with a friend, like, a few months ago. <laughs> and, yeah. We will, we will have this conversation later. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'm really bad at building figures, because I haven't even started building the Telos I bought in Japan, and I'm just really intimidated. Yeah, good luck on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if anything, you can set up a call and we'll cheer on you. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. Live that, would be, that would be awesome. Moral support. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, other than that, E3 is coming up. And, well, yeah. there's, we don't know if Microsoft will have anything there, but that would be pretty great. Uh, when is E3? Crossy fingers! Crossy fingers! E3 is, I think, next weekend? Let me confirm. Yeah, something like so. that. It's always, I'm always like, it's somewhere in June, but I always forget where. <laughs> okay, alright, so <laughs> E3 goes from June 11th to June 13th. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I think that week I'm gonna die, because I'm just gonna be like, these are not something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, okay. If, I, f- I feel like if we're going to get a Zeno related announcement, it would probably uh, happen at Tokyo Game Show as opposed to E3. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they don't drop much Zeno stuff at E3, but sometimes we get a nugget. Well, well what if didn't uh, like the Monado original trailer premiere at E3? I but don't remember. Didn't we have stuff too for, for X and Blight 2 as well? It'd be right here yeah. a few times. I, th- I, I I seem to remember Takahashi being at one E3, but I don't remember which one. Nice. I might have also imagined it. So. Uh. I don't know. I don't know if Nintendo's also gonna maybe announce a new Zelda-ish teaser, but it sounds like it's still early, so I don't know. Yeah. But I also feel like we do the- know that people are working on things. Yeah. Yep. 
I also feel like that if we're going to see something from Nintendo, Mm. it would probably just happen during a direct. I I just feel like they wouldn't necessarily wait for E3 to reveal it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's hoping that Bamco might, uh, hint, hint, uh, put out a Xenosaga HD. Uh, (laughs) But, 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 you know, uh, I, I, I still... A freaking port anywhere would be nice because it's just like, it's so painful to see how, like we said this before, it's so painful to see all of these new fans that cannot play this. Yes. <laughs> what would be really crazy uh, would be if Astral Chain, which is coming out soon, if that yeah. releases and then like you see Takahashi's name in the credits. <laughs> I know, right? Like, whenever Wouldn't that be insane? Trailer, like, is that something new from Monolith? Oh, no, right. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it does look really good, though. Oh, oh my goodness, yeah, I cannot really. wait to play it. Yeah, definitely. I know, I'm surprised that Takahashi's name isn't all over Deus Ex, uh, right? Uh, oh, Mach- Machina. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, that one, too. Ah. Uh. Which I can't wait for that, which is supposed to come out yeah. soon, but I don't remember if they said when exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I have remember the demo. there was there was a few things that they needed to fix from the demo, but um I don't know how maybe they'll show more at E three of like what they did to fix some of the instability and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, Astral Chain and Damon X Mocking are the two things I'm really hyped for, and then I'm hoping for something Monosoft related, but if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be too sad. But Yeah. But so I, personally, yeah. I'll probably not play new games till after my con season, because I'm going to die on cosplay. <laughs> Alright. Um, is there anything else? Uh, E3 expectations or any other news that anybody wants to share? No, I think that that's good. We're we're just pretty much crossing finger and hoping that some <laughs> stuff is announced. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. Uh, so I guess with that, we can uh, move on to the next topic. And Tyler, I guess you can tell us what is love. <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. That's exactly me. what went through my head. No more. Come on, we ha- we have to make at least one of those references at some point in this podcast. <laughs> it's okay but yeah the topic today is love um and the Zeno series from Xenogears to uh, Xenoblade 2 there's definitely different many different relationships whether it's like uh uh unrequited love uh everlasting love familial love etc etc so, friendship. Friendship. <laughs> There's lots of love in the the Zeno series, um, and yep. we're so yeah. We're gonna just start from the beginning, um, kind of discuss some of the uh, kind of the biggest love and uh, different types of love within Zeno Gears. Um, so as far as that goes, I think. Uh, well, I don't know how much we discussed it in like the Xenogears episode because that was forever ago but I think we probably should you know probably start with the biggest love story in Xenogears which is Ellie and Faye yeah definitely Although a lot of details are kind of hazy for me for Xenogears so 
like I'm gonna put in my the stuff that I know, but I'll let you guys probably take the lead on that one. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's a great love story because think of it this yeah. way: you know, you're experiencing love at first sight when the person you love is pointing a gun at you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Gun reacts only. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, let's uh I guess we can talk about Faye and Ellie and their love that literally extends through time and space. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, ever since uh the Eldridge crashed on that planet, um Faye and Ellie have came together through multiple different lives and uh, had various relationships um, throughout, I mean, yeah, throughout across time. So that their relationship is pretty substantial um, to the, to even the history of, I mean, of Xenogears. Yeah. So I think the, the most funny part about their relationship is how, like, you know that they love each other, but, like, for the longest time, they're just, like, oh, no. <laughs> kind of, like, they they always have, they often have these moments where they kind of get close, and then something happens, and it just breaks their mood. It's just, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> because both of them are kind of shy beans from what I've seen, <laughs> so... Yeah, like any most most of the time, the the big like moments in their lives that that should be happy are interrupted by Ellie getting killed. Yeah, but I I like to head canon that there are a, a bunch of lives that Faye and Ellie have to the side that aren't gone over because they're the boring ones that nothing nothing happens <laughs> in but are happy. <laughs> they're just yeah, they're just <laughs> husband and wife and have a normal normal life but nobody wants to listen to that no yeah i had a this is weird to say but i had a dream a few like a week or so ago where i i like it was about a different life of theirs i don't know why i had that dream out of the blue but it was like that sounds cool though yeah but i like i tried to write it down but the, the details were like really really weird so i but it was it was interesting though. Hmm. That's definitely interesting. <laughs> I don't usually focus on protag relationships, so I'm, I'm a bunch of question marks <laughs> here. But I, I do like the symbology of like the whole like statue of the two people. One of them has the one wing, and the other one has the other. Um, yeah. It, I it, it it's an interesting piece of art. Um, but as I've grown up and seen people become codependent in these situations, it, it kind of like I, I I can't have the like the the childlike nostalgia of oh this is so beautiful without thinking of the darker uh, intonations of it. But it's still a really cool piece of art, and it's still like it's still a cool story. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a rather unique one. Um, I think for. Square RPGs of the era because maybe I'm wrong and somebody can let me know. But I think Faye and Ellie is the most intimate that we've ever seen two protagonists be amongst each other in a game from that era. 
you are correct. Um, I, I was I was alive and playing it playing it live as it was as it was happening. Nobody like nobody was as on screen as close as Faye and Ellie because like you see all of it <laughs> just about. Yeah. Yes, all of it. Wink. All of it. <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, I can't think of another SquareSoft game before or since where you actually have two characters have sex with each other. And it's actually shown. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody can let me know if there's another Squaresoft game where that happens, please do. <laughs> I'm thinking, but I'm sure there's something somewhere. Yeah, some like obscure Super Famicom game that I need to play. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta hit up Pure. Pure might know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, Pure definitely has like cells from that cutscene. Like the. Or just like original <laughs> sketches. We always reference pure. Like <laughs> I think last episode we also did. Yes. At some point. We were yeah we were fearing that we were saying something or David was fearing he might have been saying something that wasn't correct and pure would re- unleash his wrath on him or something. <laughs> <laughs> So shall we move to the next pairing? <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah. unless you guys have more to say, sorry. No. <laughs> no. Please go on to another character. So uh Bart and Margie, because they're kinda like pretty close and well, I always feel like it's kind of that kind of relationship where you have Bart that's kind of like acting like Bart. <laughs> <laughs> being pretty much all over the place and like being a bit not exactly stupid but like just just acting like Bart would do and you have just Margie being like stop <laughs> Margie I feel like often Margie's a bit like the, the second singer because she pretty much like tries to stop him whenever he goes too far <laughs> but um valid yeah, but also find like the interaction interaction to be very cute and like how you know like Bart pretty much go and save her and she was like oh I knew you would come and stuff like that like they they always have that mutual trust to each other and they work well together in most cases so I think it's a very cool very cool relationship they have it's very cute. They kind of remind me of um, Yuri and Alice from Shadow Hearts in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I didn't play that one, so oh. I can't say. <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Yuri is very Bart-like, and Alice is li- Alice is much more reserved. Alice is much closer to say Amelia, uh, but uh, I see it. <laughs> so. I uh, I don't I don't know how to how I feel about Bart and Margie because aren't they aren't they cousins? Yeah, I think they. Yeah, are. Yeah, but we're also talking more about their relationship in general. Like, it doesn't need to be like an actual <gasps> yeah pairing per okay. se, love pairing per se. But all right, so like, then they are like royal intendeds, and yeah. I think in Japan uh, there is a trope where uh, it's okay to like your cousin or something. Like I, I don't buy into it, but I, I do know that it is that uh, yeah popular trope in Japan. But I guess either way, they're very close to each other. I guess yeah. what we should probably do is we should 
specify the kind of relationships we're talking about, just so yeah. we can prevent the angry emails from pouring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, we should probably specify like uh, that. Okay. We're not necessarily just talking about romantic relationships. We just yeah, want to talk about oh. characters oh, yeah. that have some sort of special bond amongst each oh, other, yeah. whether that be romantically, it could be platonic, it could be like a sibling type of thing. That's what we're really talking about. We're just oh, talking yeah. about character interactions and bonds. Oh yeah, I know, but I, I was just mentioning because uh, Margie sometimes seems like she has more of just, you know, a familial bond with Bart. She Yeah, definitely. It's, to be honest, like, I would I would ship it because they're <laughs> really cute together, but <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I do know that they're kind of cousins and stuff, but they are intended to like marry each other technically, so. <laughs> oh boy! I, I just came back from Game of Thrones, uh, so I, I have seen okay. worse. And um, so there are like both of these kids are very cute, and they they interact in cute ways. Um, they they do feel legitimately like family, uh, and uh, they're they're protags, so I. I don't know enough about them to really say too much, but th- these, okay. these kids sure are cute. <laughs> All right. Sorry. No, no. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm so. sorry. I'm sorry I took this into a weird route. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you can, we, can, we can cut it out in post if you want. Oh, boy. This episode's going to get us in trouble. I'll just stop. I'll just stop. Yeah. I'll just stop. <laughs> okay. So, next one. Siton and Yui which we don't see that often. <laughs> yes, like uh, all of Satan and Yui's interaction uh, happens off screen. Like it's it's I think told or in in some book somewhere. But uh, Yui is actually the daughter of one of the Shavat sages, and mm-hmm. uh, she was actually like in battle against Satan when uh, she met him, and they had this like really like vibrant sounding rivalry that turned into love and they have a child <sighs> but y- y- you see none of it that sounds, so, that sounds so intense and awesome i know yeah. it's like um it's kind of like on the level if margulis was a lady <laughs> <laughs> and Jin, like if they cut out Pelegri, if like it just if Margulis was a female character, they did that thing with that. But, uh, I'm gonna get myself in trouble because I also love Pelegri. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm digging digging a hole deeper, so I'm just gonna stop talking now. No, you're fine. You're fine. Somewhere <laughs> out there, pure is screaming. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, next, Ramses and Faye, <laughs> because of the fact that he's so, like, freaking obsessed <laughs> with ID. But it's not exactly Faye, but yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's love per se. I, that's definitely no. obsession. Uh, it's sort of uh. like I, I I get into lots of spats with my sister because she's like like I can't surpass certain things about my sister, and I just like yeah. fly into a rage sometimes. Like no sisters were harmed in the making of this, uh, but I think. Part part of the reason I glom on to Ramses is that I understand the the, the boiling rage of yeah. not being able to to rise to something because of who you are, uh, and uh, like I think 
after like after the big stuff in Xenogears happens, he calm. I hope that he he remains calm and like uh, chooses to like learn more about who Faye actually is instead of like the uh, instead of the person that he thinks he is because Ramses doesn't know Faye. Ramses no. knows what Id did. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's still like that obsession level was like, oh, I'll put it on the list in case. <laughs> but the, I see okay. it though. I see it. <laughs> but uh, I guess next one uh, Ramses and Yang, because they mm. do have a relationship going. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I think this this is the the whole like reason that I I distrust the whole like oh your soulmate thing. But what if your soulmate is Miang, <laughs> or what, what if you're stuck with Miang? Because like um, during the entire thing, I like I will say this up front before I get in trouble here. Miang is one of the greatest square villains of all time. Uh, but uh, as a character, as somebody who spends too much time in Ramses's head, I don't like her with Ramses because uh, because it's extremely abusive. So yeah. so abusive and toxic. Yeah. Yeah, and like um, anybody who's been strung along by anybody, uh, just like uh, it just. I can't even I can't even words it right now, but um, it's it's also the sort of like bittersweet part about it is that they're both very beautiful people. They their their silhouette together is very striking. Like you look at them and you you can tell. Okay, these are important characters. Yeah, definitely. Be, you're like yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't sit with us at the cool kids table. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy. And then, uh, yes. <laughs> and another uh, instance where there was a, a sex scene. Yeah. 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 Well, it was more implied, but like when, yeah. when you see Ramses get up in the middle of the night in uh, uh, Speedo, uh, <laughs> you can kind of tell <laughs> what was going on there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Next one is more of a funny one. <laughs> Fighting Choo Choo. <laughs> Choo Choo really this loves Faye. Choo yeah. Choo does really love Faye. <laughs> it just runs after him and he's like, no. But because, yeah. of course, the obligatory mascot loves MC trope. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, as it was happening, I really wasn't expecting Choo uh, Choo to be lovelorn for Faye, but uh, uh, it it made her a little bit more of an interesting mascot. M- maybe, uh, maybe I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a cute mascot, though. I mean, Very it could yeah. be. And she died for our sin. Choo Choo died for our sins. <laughs> it it could be worse. It could be like Persona Four, where Choo Choo turns into someone. Like a person. Oh, no. Oh god. <laughs> she like yeah, oddly enough, I haven't seen any Choo Choo Gajinka fan art. Uh, and if if I have, I haven't recognized it. You haven't been looking in the right space. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> You're giving me costly ideas now. <laughs> if you have a Choo Choo Gajinka art, like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> so uh <laughs> The next one is 
that one is a bit fuzzy in my head, but I still put it because I remembered it was a bit of a thing. The there was a kind of Bartley esque thing going on with between Faye I, slash Ivy and Emeralda, but like I don't remember all the details because it's kind of fuzzy. Well, because <laughs> Emeralda is technically one of Faye's past lives, kind of daughter, kind of. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she's definitely a daughter. Much. Yeah, like uh, Cam, yeah, Cam, and was the Ellie from that? Cause, yes. Okay, because she his name changes and her name is like mostly the same except for Sophia. Yeah, I think. Yeah, she stays the same, and uh, Faye ends up with like nine thousand other names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I I did find that to be a really their relationship to be really touching, especially um, even when Faye knows nothing about his past, but Emerella's just tags along, and yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet relationship. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. That much I remember. <laughs> Which was kind of weird that uh, she didn't 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 she not really like get too close with Ellie though or. Yeah, she was kind of, like, standoffish with Ellie. I'm not sure if that ever resolved, because I don't remember protag things. <laughs> I think it does get resolved after a while, which is at first she's kind of cold toward her. I think she calls Ellie old, and Ellie takes offense, but once Ellie, like, taps into her past life and becomes the Kwisatz Haderach, she's just cool with <laughs> it or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it was something like that. <laughs> okay. You like my Dune joke, kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next one is basically again the father father kind of relationship. Billy and Jesse, which is a pretty cool relationship. Even oh. though like they kind of they kind of well. Billy kind of hates Jesse at first. Yeah, but he he grows based yeah. on the knowledge that that he gains throughout the thing, and like it's 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 a really interesting plotline because uh, yeah, here definitely. Billy is like completely deceived his, his his entire like perception of his of his family, uh, lied to by Stein the entire time, and it turns mm. out that his father, the one that he hated the most the entire time was doing the best that he could mm-hmm. and doing the most that he could like from from the time and i think one of my favorite quotes from jesse uh one of my favorite quotes from xenogears is from jesse uh and that's um god lives in you it doesn't matter if the faith is well now i'm paraphrasing paraphrasing misquoting but uh it doesn't matter if the ethos church is uh, a front for something fake. What matters is the faith that you have. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I thought their relationship was really, really, really strong. Especially, yeah, because Jesse didn't really go out of his way to tell Billy like the full truth, but he was doing everything for both Billy and his sister the entire time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But there was also that moment where uh, I think it was when 
Jesse supposedly died, but then kind of came back. Uh, <laughs> like, everyone yeah. was shocked. And it was just like, hey, I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, his, his mech turned into a, a, a gun. That was pretty, for Billy to shoot, that was pretty uh, epic. Yeah, it was pretty much like, well, that that was dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they concepted it without really like doing too much with the story for it. It's just like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm I, I'm your gun. <laughs> here, here you go, son. Yeah, oh shoot me God. into the enemy. I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Best yeah. father. Yes. Indeed, he's really cool. I really love Jesse. So, yeah. Um, next one, the friendship of Bart and Faye. Because, I mean, they kind of, ish, like, the relationship's a bit weird, but sometimes they're kind of best bro. <laughs> like, they're, I mean, they get I pretty felt, close. Yeah, but I always felt like Bart and Faye's re- a relationship was among the more boring ones. More so because it was just kind of standard to me. Yeah, uh, not a lot. Be. Not a lot of it really stuck out. It's kind of just like, okay, you're just the next guy you get in your party, and he's just gonna have your back. Yeah, it's just I still find their interaction kind of funny, though. <laughs> yeah, I think Bart spent a lot of time uh, trying to win Faye over, but Faye was just sort of like eh, <laughs> the entire time. And- <laughs> It's like they, they they grew together as the story progressed, but then they sort of like dropped the the buddy comedy between those things. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. think that that whole segment where uh, Bart pretty much tries to win by over is what's the most interesting because it's usually like the interactions that are the most funny. <laughs> At least to me, they were funny. Faye at the beginning of Xeno Years is very Sundere. It's just like, I don't want to get in the gear. I don't want to be friends. I don't, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. And, then, and then he comes around and like does, does the thing. Yeah, basically. Oh, that sounds like you're talking about Evangelion. Oh, no. <laughs> not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get there. Well, this is, this is where it deviates from Evangelion because he gets in the fucking robot. <laughs> Sigmund and Maison are pretty much like acting toward Bart because I mean Yeah, definitely. They're kind of like the voice of reason of Bart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I love Sigurd and Mason as characters and um I I, I love how they uh they uh sort of play off of Bart's like complete brashness and it's like somebody has to keep him from eating plastic (laughs) (laughs) indeed it's pretty much that you can see how much like they really love Bart they really care and they really like want to keep him out of danger or trouble even though he's a pro at putting himself into trouble (laughs) yeah I, I also love Mason's uh, tea wizardry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. the next one, I kind of wrote it, but I was like, I don't fully remember everything, so uh, I'm just going to put it there. 
but uh, clearly an obsession toward Ellie. But at the same time, it's mostly because she's kind of the mother or something like that, and she, he's more he's more obsessed on a scientific kind of standard, I guess. But it's still kind of like, oh my god, I love my 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 subject or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually glad that you wrote this one down because, like, half of the conflict in Xenogears is because uh, of Krellian's uh, unrequited love for Ellie, uh, Sophia, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, and, um, like, I think it's the only thing that tries to uh, butt up against Faye and Ellie's, like, soulmate thing. And in a way, it's kind of unfair, but also Krellian got really creepy about it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really creepy. It do not interact, Krillian. I mean, no. Um, I definitely see uh, Krillian as a yandere kind of type. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, he's very yandere. That's <laughs> an understatement. Like, didn't he at one point try to cultivate her DNA type or something? I think so. <laughs> I I don't remember that I, too much. Maybe. I I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Is like it's 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 super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Creeper danger. But yeah. <laughs> Anyone else want to add something on this one or? Not for this one, no. Okay. Yeah. I don't have much um, to say. Next one is it's just an segment. Is Rico and Faye kind of bro moments within <sighs> the prison segment because I mean. Let's face it, that's the only place where Rico gets anything. <laughs> that's the right. o- only spotlight he gets. Yeah, yes, yeah. Unfortunately. unfortunately for uh, Budget Blanca, that was the <laughs> <Yes>. only thing <laughs> in that game that I remember that actually, where he actually had some sort of relevancy to. And it's such a shame because he was actually a pretty cool character during that segment. Yeah, um, definitely. I really, really really like that part, especially, like, you had the tournament, too, going on, and then you you were escaping. That was so fun. And then he just gets sidelined. And also, he is, like, the heir to all of Kislev, right? Yes! He is, yeah. Which, mm. Yeah, they just drop that and walk away. Yeah, it's, like, such, <laughs> such an important much. moment, and it's just, like, nothing. It's like, we have Bart, and we have Rico, we could... Completely nullify the 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 Ave Kislev conflict right here, uh, but they don't. Mm. Yeah. All we get is a really bad sewer dungeon out of it. <laughs> yep. Well, we do get some romance-ish between Faye and him because they they do tr- pretty much like team up to try and get out. And <gasps> they did have stuff. really they did have really good chemistry. It's just sad that once they get on the ship, uh, Rico just kind of stays in that room for the you most... get on the ship and get shut down by Bart. <gasps> yeah! <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> I just find it funny how we're like talking about how they had like great chemistry and there's a romance between them as they're bonding through a prison. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh yes. no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Hey, that was your words, not mine. Uh-huh. Just saying. <laughs> Come on, guys. We're just saying that pretty much with no attention toward that place. <laughs> okay, 
So moving uh, on, <laughs> moving on, something that you had is Cadmus, Ramses, and the elements. Okay, I'm so... gonna let you go on that. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm gonna go, and I promise not to like talk for an hour. All right, so Ramses uh, has this thing that he does. He finds someone that's been rolled off the sidewalk like a turtle. Uh, knocked on, onto its back, and he he goes around saving these turtles, and they turn out to be like these incredibly like mega talented things. Uh, and in a way, uh, for certain people, like I- I'm pretty sure, uh, at least some of the elements see him as a fatherly figure, and sort of like th- their love is very agape. I'm dropping the buzzword. Uh, definitely the exceptions to that, uh, Dominia. And I think Sigurd, because uh, 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 Rams is Sigurd forever, <laughs> but not really, honestly. Um, but but yeah, like there's not a whole lot of good to Ramses, like, as he come to us, like, within the the running storyline, he's sort of, like, given up, and is is Miang's kind of arm, uh, given some sort of, like, given enough freedom to think that he's free. Uh, But, like, basically a lot of his, like, stuff is, like, he definitely does and wants to do good in the world, and, uh, at the end, where when Satan slaps him, uh, like after he kills Miang, uh, uh, and he's going on about how he he doesn't have anything anymore, and it's like Satan slaps him, and he's like, "Bitch, what about your girls? <laughs> your girls? Think about your girls." And I I think about his girls every day because they're <laughs> wonderful and I love them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, just like um. He, like I think if if you see the elements uh, as just his bimbos, it it cheapens it a little bit. Like I don't think all of them see him romantically. Um, like depending on your fan fiction, you could. But like uh, there's a lot to be said when you have a senpai helping you whether it's at work or school or something uh that relationship is valuable too like i think we put too much worth into romantic only because like there's uh all these all these other types of love and it's it's also valuable (laughs) yep definitely yes so did we want to have more in the Zinal Gears, or do we move to Zinal Saga? <laughs> um, I think we've covered enough of Gears, and it's worth jumping to Saga. Yes. Alright, so okay. besides, you have not played Saga, do not go forward. <laughs> Skip this part. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so. I know there's a certain mutual acquaintance who is streaming Saga, so, oh yeah. yeah! If you're if you're listening and you know who you are, <laughs> yeah. called out. Tune out now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, so I think well, since we've already had a Shion episode, I think real quick we should probably kind of gloss over Shion and her relationship with three other characters, which are Cosmos, Alan, and Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So definitely, there's. Like, each of those relationships has, like, is a different kind of love. Um, Because 
for example, Xion and Kevin's kind of a toxic kind of love. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Xion and Alan's a more of an unrequited love. And then Xion and Cosmos, hmm. That's not a love that's <laughs> there's like. There's a lot of yeah. There's there's a lot of ways to read Xion and Cosmos. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's th- they're all interesting. They're all valid. Um, but uh, you you know more about these things because they're protags. Go on. Go on. <laughs> oh, oh no. I I mean, I because for a while um, you, you do kind of get like a like mother daughter kind of relationship about yeah. Xion and Cosmos, but then it kind of evolves a bit more as the series progressed. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not really... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nothing's, like, outright said, like, about them being, like, more than friends or anything like that, but their interactions... Yeah, uh, their interactions can give a bit more to it. Kind mm-hmm, of. mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like uh, throughout the series they weren't sure if they wanted to push the the mother daughter route or the mm. the girl girl relationship. The they're lesbians, Harold. <laughs> like, but when uh, when Xenosaga first came out, uh, I, I I came out too, and I was like, oh, this is this obvious thing that they're doing with with this game and I was like wow that's that's pretty cool uh, but because they were protagonists they didn't hold my interest uh-huh. <laughs> uh, um, and I, I gravitated toward two to other things but I also think that um, Cosmos is a really uh, popular figure uh, in the LGBT plus community because uh, like I, I see a lot of people who really are drawn to Cosmos uh, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and out of the th- like the three other, I mean, out of the three that Xion could potentially end up with, I think Cosmos is probably the best option of the three, in my opinion. But that's going into shipping territory, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but- like all, all all ships are valid. <laughs> um, yep, ship ship and let ship. Uh, choose your company based on who you can stand. That's that's my stance. <laughs> to be honest, like I'm completely well, I'm completely neutral as far as like Xion Cosmos or Xion Island goes for. Mm-hmm. But Kevin is totally a toxic relationship, and I'm like, get out of there, girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, Alan is just like I think it's also a good relationship. It's just at the same time, he's kind of more clumsy and doesn't have a whole lot of self-confidence to fully support her so yeah. i can see where where some people are like they're not really meant together and it's forceful but at the same time i'm kind of like well it kind of also like developed a bit toward the story like at the end alan kind of pulls his weight a bit like and gets some yeah. strength mm-hmm. but so- Definitely the most healthy slash like supporting relationship would be more so, so the thing with the thing with Alan is that like I feel most of the people in the community see Alan in one of two ways. It's either they like Alan and they think, hey, that's great. He his character developed, he became a much better person, he became a guy who was finally able to speak up for himself. And I think that's valid. But there's there's the other side of the community who they kind of don't like Alan and they kind of see him as just 
a one of those typical guy gets the girls scenario. Yeah, it's a very nice guy gets the girls yeah. scenario, which back in 2003, in its context, you, you wanted to see Alan improve and, like, do stuff like that. But now that there's, like, a bunch of, like, political subcontext and, like, post-Gamergate, post-nice guy, uh, all of this other stuff, um, Alan is getting painted in, in a pretty bad light. Mm-hmm. And um, I think... Uh, I think it's it's being taken way out of context, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I've seen people say both, both you know, yeah, he's a good character for that, but also people who just say he's actually a pretty terrible character because he's just an example of you know, nice guy gets the girl, and I've and I've seen valid arguments for both for both mm-hmm. theories and. There's just a lot of ways to interpret it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I, I know people who sort of like self co self identify as Alan and do do a lot of uh, fan fiction writing with Alan, and it's like there there are other people uh, than Shion to ship him with, and people tend to forget that. And I, I think the, right. the the big fight is over Shion, and um, I, as as much as I love Shion, Shion's not the only character. Assistant Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Assistant Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've seen him with Assistant Scott and Tony and Hammer, and there's there's a whole world out of it. Like I, I RP'd once Jerikov with Alan, and that was that was it was sweet <laughs> and weird, but super sweet. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I'll ship a valid. I'm totally neutral. I don't care. <laughs> so. That's true. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on because I think Shion's had enough attention. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so next, Junior and Sakura, because I mean, you did have like a lot of moments with her within the the UMN whenever like the URTVs would go and try to communicate with her since she could not communicate in real life. We did cover a bit of that in the URTV episode, though. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think their interaction were super sweet, and it's also her who pretty much like ask of him to like pretty much take care of uh, her sister. But at the same time, I feel like if it, if the circumstance was a bit different, that they could have maybe ended up together because I mean they were interacting in such a cute way and like they were yeah they were very intimate and stuff it, oh yeah it was really cute. there was that cute moment on the uh porch swing that was oh, an ep- yeah. episode two moment. like the face that junior does in that moment it just i just die yeah after, <laughs> it's just like yeah. it's so cute <laughs> that was that was adorable yeah but then like it can move on to like also junior and momo because afterwards like which takes care of Momo, but they also get pretty close together too. And even like, even these two, like it's super, super sweet again. And I just really enjoy their relationship and stuff. Yeah, so, which, which for their relationship, I always, I don't know if you guys felt the same, but I kind of felt more like a, they weren't like exactly a romantic relationship. It was kind of like a. I wouldn't say sibling, but I don't know. I know I, it's going to say, uh, I'll protect you while I got this kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't know like, if it almost... after her, but at the same time, like, there's a part of me that's like, 
I would ship it because I was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really popular ship back in the day. I, I didn't yeah. do it myself, but um, there's uh, a lot of, like, with the juniors' interactions with Sakura and Momo, there's a lot left um, unsaid and undone because of uh, Sakura's premature death and Momo is basically just like she's kind of just a child herself and uh-huh. would be like w- within the context of like the the the, the story as it progresses live I, I'd um I, I don't see anything romantic happening like right away uh, like maybe after a couple of years that 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 would be okay by me but yeah except like... they they kind of get separated so yeah well at least Momo has like the the dog <laughs> 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 but okay yeah it's it's pretty it's a pretty sweet relationship mm-hmm. um, yeah definitely yeah. good intention not not okay. toxic the next one we kind of covered a lot in the Ziggy episode but Ziggy and Yuli yeah, and like, um, it's interesting uh, to, to see them having evolved from both of them being very closed off in the beginning uh, to sort of like, uh, along with Momo's help, like Ziggy no longer wants to commit suicide by the end. And uh, like, that's that's a really positive message. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously, like they're, I think it's, it's one of the strongest uh evolution of characters within the games like these two they evolve so much just like kind of slowly getting together and all that stuff but also like they go over their struggles together and mm-hmm. just yeah definitely it's really cool but uh yeah this was also also we mentioned it a bit in the Ziggy episode like his his late wife and I guess we could also include the his little boy to that as well. Yeah, it's like Ziggy loses uh, a, a romantic love and uh, a child and gains both of those back by the end of Xenosaga 3. Yeah. yeah. Not, not in the same way. Just in the, yeah. Not in the same way, but yeah, he does. Yeah, so we can also throw in Ziggy and Momo here too, because it's like, yeah, they. I, I really... It, liked how Ziggy, Yuli, and Momo became, like, a whole new family, even though they all kind of had the fra- a very fractured family experience uh, before. Yeah, pretty much. I think I did also put uh, Ziggy and Voyager, but that's kind of a unhealthy kind of love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's mostly, like, again, a sort of obsessive kind of love thing by a creeper danger guy. (laughs) 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 But yeah, again, we we pretty much covered like most of that in late into the Ziggy episode, so I guess I can invite people to go listen to that one if they Mm. want to have the full version of these. But um, yes, I guess we can move on. Uh, Another one that I did put was Chaos and Cosmos slash Mary, because he's technically... He was technically with um, Mary Madeline, right. I think. Yeah, yeah that's yes. another big ship from, from back in the day. Uh, yeah. I really love this. And I love how, like, the first time he pretty much, like, opened uh, 
the Atch thing, whatever, like, he's pretty much like, oh, so, so we finally meet or something, like, he knows her, and it's just like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> like, my first reaction was pretty much like, you know something, but I don't. <laughs> but we often get these moments with the chaos, but yeah. I just wish they would have showed a little bit more of their past, because... Yeah, I, I want more over. Jesus era. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, it's kind of funny how chaos is. <laughs> you, you finally have that one mysterious character who knows more than the, than everybody else in the game, uh-huh. but he's also apparently like best buds with Jesus Christ, <laughs> which is like what? <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard it explained as uh, chaos is Jesus's powers incarnate. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I might be wrong. No, I've heard that too. He provides the the miracles and everything, and then the uh, the real Jesus is like the just kind of the figurehead. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I used to uh, I, I I used to ship Chaos and Cosmos. I but it's a cute ship. It's a, oh my god! I I thought you were going to say you used to ship Chaos and Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was about to lose that. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, no, he's well, about to say that. Well, now I Oof. do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Tyler, how could you? You know the alpha ship is Jesus X Judas. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, uh. But, oh, my but, uh, but, yeah, because, well, nowadays I feel like, because uh, Chaos and Cosmos, unfortunately, doesn't, I don't know, feel like they have enough screen time together most of the time. Yeah, it really does seem... Chaos is so removed from his humanity that it's it's really hard to really characterize him, uh, especially with Cosmos also very far removed from her her humanity. Uh, a little bit comes in at the end, but she, she's a robot most of the time. So you've got the, the all-powerful, like, uh, upper-domain being attempting to connect with humanity but doesn't connect and we have this human who is no longer connected to her body uh and it's it's they're they're both really interesting and pretty Mm. characters Mm uh and and they they do go very well together but it's 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 extremely hard to characterize especially if you don't uh have the interest for it (laughs) Yeah, but it's also because there's a lot of details they don't really show on screen time for us to really, like, see all the details that were pretty much there. We can just, like, pretty much imagine from the little that we saw, like, how... Yeah, we need to find a chaos expert. (laughs) Yeah. We need to find a chaos expert and do a chaos episode. Oh, Uh, definitely. Yes. I I would like to come in that one if we do. (laughs) But, Uh. um... I I also I, I kind of see their relationship is kind of similar to like uh like Junior and Momo Junior Sakura because Cosmos isn't exactly Mary and Mary like yeah. so I think Chaos sometimes is kind of not I don't want to say standoffish with Cosmos but that he he doesn't there's another one that's left unsaid undone yeah so yeah that. But the unfortunately, there wasn't enough screen time with the two. Yeah, but uh, I guess we can explore more of that if we do an, a chaos episode in the future. Mm-hmm, definitely. We could analyze everything in depth, but yeah. 
So, next one. Misera, he, and Yuli. Oh my gosh. I don't... <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to contribute to this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's sort of like it. It just happens, and it's a celebrity relationship that happened off screen. And uh, Yuli yeah, talks about I it feel... in a very, like, really like um, yeah. sassy way. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We don't really see much of the screen time, but we know that it happened. But I feel like around the time where Sakura was still alive, that the relationship may have been more healthy, but mm-hmm. maybe afterwards it went downhill because yeah. I feel like that's where Ms. Rahi pretty much lost it and started to go into trying to make his daughter, like a replica of his daughter or something. <laughs> but I think he was actually already working on, on Momo whenever. Yeah, he was already working on Momo when Sakura was like having her issues. Well, because wasn't he yeah. originally making Momo to be as, like, a... Oh, what do I, how do I word this? A second sort daughter? sort of, like, inter- interface yeah. for Sakura? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that she would be able to interact with the world through Momo. Yeah, and it's kind of like... I, I, I didn't get it as I was playing it, but it's kind of... Uh, sort of like a metaphor for a couple dealing with a sick child. And mm-hmm. what it does to them, and what happens to the child. But uh, yeah. I just, I just thought about it. <laughs> but we also like there's also the the kind of Bader-esque like thing of Thorn Momo that we see a bit in episode three. Whenever we see a bit more of the conflict, how Mizrahi was not the monster that everyone was saying about, like. Yeah, he was just, uh, he, he just happened to end up crazy. He didn't mean for bad things to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, basically. But also, you could see that he really cared about, like, Momo and, like... Yeah. Basically, his family in general just... <laughs> just he went crazy a little bit because of everything that was happening. But also, he was kind of... I feel like he was kind of pushed into, like, making some things that maybe he did not mean to. Yeah, like, he's he's definitely, like, one of those names that you hear a lot in the series, and he's, like, responsible for a lot of, like, the, the R&D, the tech, but, like, um, we don't he's get to see enough. He's not the real responsible, enough. at least yeah. not fully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alright, the next one. Oh, boy. Halbido <laughs> <the> and Junior. <laughs> I just, I was just like, well, Albedo, like, clearly likes Junior a bit too much. <laughs> but it's more, of a, it's more of a brother thing, but at the same time, like, he's so obsessed over Junior. <laughs> but Ye- then again, Albedo can do nothing that's, like, basically... It's either black or white with Albedo. It's just, there's no middle. <laughs> so, yeah, whenever... I do still enjoy like the interaction because it's always like it's, it's very always charismatic. Funny. It's always really yeah. funny. <laughs> Albedo is very charismatic and very oh, yeah. damaged. Uh, and I guess I uh, I don't have a whole lot that I can say about the URTVs because they are protags most most of them two thirds of them. Um, uh, I don't I don't want to drag Albedo, but he does a lot of like stuff that I'm I'm not into. Yeah. Uh, but, in Xenosaga 2, we, we do get to see a bunch of the stuff that 
that made him who who you see him as in in uh, in the current timeline. And I think a lot of it is, oh, you poor thing, but also, uh, oh God, <laughs> you, you did this other yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> but hands, I think hands off, I think it's breaker. what it's what makes him interesting. But yeah, it's just. Like every time you get on screen and you just pretty much like obsessed with Junior, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, their relationship is odd, but I can understand um yeah. like wanting to be with his twin brother that I can kinda relate to that. So it's Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, like I'll be doomed, like he got his wish at the very end. Yeah. You did quite a bit of a zigzaggy path because yeah. how he was he was pretty much like uh corrupted by hoodoo and all that jazz. But yeah. He, yeah. He did do get his his wish, which is to be with Junior kinda, mm. because that kind of put his mind at ease. And I guess he's not inside anymore at the end. Wow. <laughs> But but yeah, just I I find I find the the whole concept of like their relationship pretty interesting, even though it's kind of really hard, like that said. But yeah, I thought I would put it there because it's still a relationship that's really in our faces. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's very we'll important. <laughs> it's important to the series. Mm. Yeah. So next one. Guess and Junior, their best pal. It's also one of my ships. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just Chaos and Junior is a very popular ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like they're, um, I mean, they they always understand each other super well. Like Junior is kind of the one running around being like super hyperactive, and Chaos is kind of his voice of reason. <laughs> of like, but he also like. Chaos loves often pretty much just wash and comment. So. It's a, it's all... very much. Oh, go on. They're very much a they're very much a partners in crime kind of thing. Yeah, I, that's the way I always see them. Yeah, it's it's really nice, and like they have these moments where they're just gonna gonna laugh at the same time at some situation because yeah. it almost <laughs> it reminds me of like a, a like Sigurd and Bart's relationship, uh, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could see that. Except Chaos is a bit more reserved slash yeah, more yeah. calm than Sigurd, but <laughs> that's true. He's still he's still kind of like the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like whenever Junior takes these books and just like oh, let's just put them back. <laughs> but yeah, just I I thought it was like something important to mention because I was like they they're always. Like kind of the best ball deal, deal duration of the the games, and I just really love their relationship in general. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Ganyan and his ladies, <laughs> as in Mary and Shelley, basically. <laughs> we we all know that Mary and Shelley pretty much have a huge crush on Ganyan because they're always. They're always next to him in a very oh, kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, there is that scene in episode one where Mary and Shelley are sleeping together in Guinan's bed. And it's like, hmm, what's going on there? <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, th- there's not much shown on screen, but there's enough to in that. They, you know, there may be some stuff happening off screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very uh, obviously Polly, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They they have a uh, yeah. I mean, they have an intense love for yeah, uh, Guinan, and that's kind of why it was kind of uh, sad in the in episode three when uh, Guinan, which who was being controlled by Yuri, of shot Mary. That was really. Oof, yeah, yeah, that that part that was just like no, <laughs> that was so mad because it was just like give Ganon back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ugh. but yeah, um, next one Ganon and Junior because I mean <laughs> they're pretty much like well, I guess they don't always Definitely brotherly love. Yeah, brotherly mm. love. Oh yeah. But it's also like Ganon is also another uh, voice of reason of Junior. <laughs> He's always like, "Please don't, don't, don't do this, don't do that." <laughs> so it's like brotherly love, but it feels like almost like he's acting like a father because Junior is just all over the place and they're always super rash and stuff. And yeah, just also Gaiden yeah, and then Gaiden Junior. <laughs> oh so, yeah, like yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they've been pretending to be father and son for a while. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but yeah, it's just I just find it interesting how it's like Gaiden's always like, "Don't fuck up now, <laughs> like, don't, don't do this, up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> And, like, you pretty much often, like, ask uh, Shelly and Mary to look after a junior so that doesn't do anything stupid. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Because, I mean, there's multiple interactions, but, again, there's not, like, too often a whole lot of interaction between these two. Like, they just happen once in a while. Because, I mean, Ganyan's often doing all of the paperwork while Drew's going like, yeah, let's shoot some things! Captain <laughs> 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 um, uh, Matthews and the sisters. <laughs> as in, like, the, the Seraphim idols. sisters, yeah. <laughs> I-, I was actually excited <gasps> to see what the Seraphim sisters look like because they, they seemed like they would be a reference to uh, the elements from Xenogears, but uh, I never really, they never really showed much Afterward, I guess we oh, can we can dream. Totally forgot you're you were talking yeah. about the Seraphim sisters. I thought you were talking about Mary yeah. and Shelley, and I was like, what kind of relationship with them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he owes them money. <laughs> I can see that. I can see it's that. The money, love. <laughs> they never really tell us what uh, Captain Matthews's debt is, do they? Uh, uh, probably a couple of millions. I don't know. I don't think that was really huge, or rather, how. I can't remember if they say how he got the debt. Oh, uh. mm, I don't remember either. Maybe, maybe it's like because they always say like, "Oh, let's just add it to the tab." So I guess it's maybe like he always like like the money and always like pretty much get some money from Ganyan, but he never paid back yet. <laughs> yeah, isn't there, like, a quest where you go to pay back his debt? Episode yeah, 2. One. Episode 2. Uh, Wasn't it uh, in Zeno Saga 1 too? Uh, I don't I remember it. I remember that. 
In episode, well, yeah. I remember it in episode two because I finished it and my life, it, it, it drained so much out of my life. I, Did it give anything back? Um, it gave Jen and a loincloth, um, so, the ac- access to X-Buster, which is, like, at that point, what do you need X-Buster anymore for? Yeah. And there might have been like a double tech attack, but I can't remember. Those are like the two main rewards that I, I can remember, and I just felt so cheated because it took well, me. Maybe, maybe so, you can clear the death like in Saga 1, and then he gets another death in Saga 2. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> nah, that wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> no, but I, I don't fully remember either because it's kind of fuzzy a bit the gameplay wise part. Like, it's been so long, but yeah. Okay. Okay. So, next one, Chaos and Kanan, because, I mean, they they do get a mission together, and they do seem like they understand each other pretty well, or, anyways, in the few scenes they have yeah. together. <laughs> there is way too too little to really say much about them, because I, yeah. I remember them from the beginning of Saga 2. Yeah. But um, I feel it was like a great was... scene, but there's like... I, I didn't really get much out of that. I, I, yeah, I, but I, I feel like there's a mutual respect still because he, around the end of tree, like whenever they get that interaction where Kanan is pretty much having his existence crisis, like you pretty much go to chaos first. But sometimes chaos is very easy to talk to about these kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes I just think of chaos and Kanan as like. Those co-workers that work together for a bit, and then now exactly. they they meet up again in real life. It's like, oh hey, I remember you. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's yeah. Co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny way to put it. All right, next one is a pretty big shift though. Febronia and Virgil. Because I mean, that's an important shift too. Like it's that one's pretty much on her face. <laughs> um. I don't even know what to start with it, though. It's like, oh god. Cause... Yeah, their relationship is, I mean, for the most part, re- I mean, really tragic. Yeah. Because um, you always wondered at the beginning of episode one, like, how Virgil got his DM, is it DME addiction? or? Yeah, something like uh, that. Because it's basically an, an addiction caused by. Is it like eating realians or? Di- yeah, I think it's eating realian tissue causes some sort of weird, weird addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but like chemical dependency or something. And then he has such like a harsh hatred toward realians, but then it turns out that he had quite the relationship with a realian, Fabronia, and the the way the reason why he has that addiction is because of the uh, uh, organ transplant. He got yeah. uh, from Aurelia. But still, though, like, they still had a relationship going, even though, like, let's face it, Virgil was very much a petunary. <laughs> but, um, Viveronia, though, like, she was very patient, and, like, she, she knew that, like, whenever Virgil was kind of, like, not honest with himself, like, she pretty much knew it, and she would shrug whatever insult or else that he would shoot at her, and, and then he'd be like, why aren't you leaving, like, and stuff like that. Just... But, 
Yeah, I think I think it's a very interesting relationship, even though it does have very tragic. <laughs> but I'm glad that Virgil do get like kind of a good closure on it and gets uh-huh. to pretty much go with her kind of the after realm or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, the the church scene uh, was definitely tragic. And yeah. you can kind of, I guess, because I mean, for he has an intense hatred of Reallians, but I guess that scene kind of, because he was, because I can't remember if he was racist against Reallians before that moment or if it was triggered mostly by that moment. I think he already was, but it was mostly because uh, I think it was maybe it was a bit, but maybe not as much as after the conflict mm-hmm. because of how like all the realities started to go berserk. Mm-hmm. And they killed Fabronia. Yeah, and that's where he started to go and hate them, I think, because of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I think Fabronia was pretty much like the biggest exception. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, that next one, like it was also a bit Shion related, like the the relationship mm. of Fevronia, Cecilia, and Kate toward Shion. But I guess that was kind of like scraped over in the other episodes too a little bit. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's also like an interesting relation where Fevronia would pretty much, well. Shion was pretty close to Fibronia, Cecilia, and Kate when she was younger, and Fibronia pretty much asked her to save her sisters and stuff like that, and it's all very tragic and stuff. But overall, like, I think, I, I wish they would have showed a bit more of Cecilia and Kate, though, because it's just like, oh, she, young Shion was friend with them. But we never saw them because I guess they weren't the, and I, I guess they were already like connected to that Zohar thing. But it's all yeah, weird. Un- yeah, unfortunately, we just there's well, this is another one of those instances where it'd be nice if there's a little bit more development or just a just a tiny bit more. All right, the next one is all yours, Cat. Cherenkov and Margulis. <laughs> I've been waiting all night for this. No. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, there's several ways to, to really view their relationship. I've, uh, I've heard uh, a couple people be like, oh, like, it's obviously, like, paternal. And I'm like, no. Because <laughs> um, Cherenkov's problem is that he doesn't, perceive the love that he needs from anyone uh like he obviously looks up to margulis but ultimately is sort of like not betrayed but he he, like there was never anything uh like uh, i think just aside from personal betrayal i feel he sees margulis as an idol kind of thing (laughs) yeah definitely it's just like holy shit you you saved me when i was going to get killed uh okay let's do whatever um but also Cherenkov's agency like throughout the entire series is completely null like he's always only around to serve somebody else and I think uh 
the the only like positive interaction that that he gets is when Margulis is in the phase of building him up. <laughs> what really sucks is that when he's uh like abandoned more or less uh on the Wokeland day uh and the aftermath afterward like um it, it is my number one ship uh OTP forever <laughs> but I also recognize that there's a lot of toxic parts to it uh I think about it a lot uh and <laughs> like <laughs> I think about it a lot guys uh, but like I I like to imagine that there is a chunk of uh alternate universe world where they where they can like work it out like Margulis is obviously involved with a highly religious organization uh like in my head i want him to like break from it and it's like okay we're just gonna go off into space and like grow flowers or something bye (laughs) (laughs) uh but margulis is also like over involved in all these plots with ormus and like uh cherenkov is always only just a tool of his so the fact that that cherenkov has any feelings for margulis at all functionally uh margulis should not care as a professional person uh but too bad (laughs) uh and I guess um, we can sort of segue into Trenkov's bad quote unquote family. Uh, I, 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 the way I wrote it's because of that one scene. The garbage family. Uh, and, that, yeah. that one scene is so funny. It's just like garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny that um, that particular scene, though, yeah. uh, with with that word, uh, connects Ramses and Cherenkov to each other. Uh, I don't think they use the same word in Japanese, because I asked Pure about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, it sort of, like, hit me like a bolt of lightning. Uh, yeah. And, uh, like, holy shit, this guy, like, Cherenkov has a lot of similar traits to Ramses, but he has nothing. Like, he has no girls, he has no uh, original elements. No, he was uh, always just, just used, basically. Yeah, so it's just basically kind of, like, Cherenkov, no, wait, <gasps> uh, Ramses, but with nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Mar- and, Mar- Margulis is his Miang. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I also <laughs> kind of, uh, sort of think of his his wife, whoever her name is, uh, also as Mia. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she she is the original garbage. No, wait, is she the original garbage sayer, or is that the daughter? The daughter is said garbage. Her, okay. Yeah, yeah, the clone daughter. Yeah, but it still it still counts as as her because it's the clone of her. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's all she wanted out of that relationship. Yeah, pretty much. Like, oh, jeez, that, uh, like, I, I think a lot about, uh, Mrs. Cherenkov, and, uh, there was actually a, a playthrough of Fallout 4 that I started, um, because the, um, the protag in Fallout 4, uh, is a lawyer, and I was like, oh, I know what I could do, uh, and I started. I started a playthrough as as Mrs. Cherenkov. I was going to be like one of those like redemptive AU things. Like maybe she's good this time. And um, but then uh, Xenoblade X came out, and I never finished Fallout Four, so that never really became a thing. So Mrs. Cherenkov is never going to be redeemed. Nope. <laughs> what she doesn't deserve to be redeemed. Nope. <laughs> but... Alrighty. What's yeah. Do you, do you guys have any any words? Because I've, I've I've talked too much. No, you're good. 
<laughs> I mean, it's definitely another example of a t- very, very toxic relationship. Um, and she, I think she might have even seen him more as a tool than Margulis, because I felt like Margulis, like he, he, when he heard, like when he heard that Chernkov like w- died, he did have that little moment of silence. Yes, yeah, he, he, he emoted. He emoted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, but but yeah, I think that Mrs. Cherenkov definitely used Cherenkov more as a tool than Margulis did. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like Margulis still had, like, a good amount of respect toward Cherenkov, mm-hmm. even though he was using him. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, you could see that there was a sort of respect kind of thing ongoing still but yeah i guess should we move to the next one should i leave that one to, to you as well cat <laughs> um sure. <laughs> yeah all right so oh, Jin is very interesting uh because uh it sort of like um plays back on something from ff6 that stuck in my head uh in ff6 there is a character uh named oh crap i forgot his name <laughs> but uh <laughs> he's in something. uh he's in sabin's storyline and he's the son of the the martial artist that that taught sabin martial arts and uh it's sort of like there was this like uh rivalry uh between sabin and that guy whose name i don't, I don't remember uh and that sort of like uh i want to say let me google it <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember that person either, because as soon as you said FF6, I'm like, who is, who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you going with this? Okay. I'll find it. But yes, yeah, so, martial artist. Um, yes, look that up. Because <laughs> I, I want to know where you're going with this one. Because there's there's martial arts involved. Mount Colt. <laughs> Vargas. His name is Vargas. Oh, Va- uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. So there, like, there's the the groundwork for, uh, oh, there's there's a couple of uh, people coming up. Uh, there is a a martial artist with two um, two pupils. One of them is his blood relation, and one of them is not. Uh, and they sort of like um, I I see this this trope taken and rewritten uh, several times like since FF6 uh, like into Xenogears a little bit uh, they they kind of do it with uh, Stein and Jesse but it's very prominent in uh, Xenosaga with Margulis and Jin uh, only this time uh, the bad guy is the, the one who isn't related to the teacher so um, I think Shion and Jin's grandfather, his name is Oga Uzuki, mm-hmm. and he did, he did sword stuff uh, along as uh, he did sword stuff, and uh, Jin was learning it because he was, it was a family thing. But right. also, um, I don't know where Margulis came into the picture to to have interacted with the Uzukis in any capacity, uh, but he. Uh, uh, he walked into it uh, and was was this pupil, and I think I remember reading or hearing something that uh, the grandfather was betrayed somewhere along uh-huh. there, and Margulis is running around with all this knowledge that shouldn't belong to him, and Jin should be a lot more angry at Margulis, uh, but for some reason he's not, but I, I guess that's what makes him a protag. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, this is very... Jin and Margulis is very... Uh... It's very rival-esque. Yes, very... Uh, it's also very obvious. Kind of thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's very, very obvious. Like, uh... Toward, uh, I asked Pure uh, if uh, <laughs> Margulis is as gay as he sounds uh, in uh, in English as he does in Japanese, and he said that Margulis has a very unapologetic way of speaking, uh, but not not really. Uh, but like uh, in in the English translation, uh, Margulis's final words to Jin are very like. Like, you don't say that kind of stuff to somebody who's, like, just your friend. Like, okay, dude. It's like, I think, uh, I don't remember the the words exactly, but it's like, Jin, you're exceptional something, 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 now I'm dead. <laughs> I could, I, I could uh, add a clip around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jin, you are exceptional. But your strength means that you will always be alone in this world. You've cast aside the few people who understood you by your own hands. Now, there's no one left who understands you. Uh, I kind of like tie it in with Pellegrin as well, because didn't because Jen and Pellegrin had a like a relationship, and didn't she? get stolen away by Margulis or so, no so uh it's um she left of her own accord mm-hmm. and Jin thought Jin thought that she was stolen uh it sort of like becomes Pelegri's like more heel heel turn because uh you find out actually Pelegri is a lot scarier than you you initially thought mm-hmm. uh so uh it's uh which I find very interesting because the easy route would would be to be like, oh yes, I love Margulis more than you, even though you're 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 you're, you're the one who doesn't look like the uh, the guy from the wall. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say that maybe Margulis uh, took Pellegrino away as a kind of a if I can't get with you, I'll just get with the person that you like kind of way. But I guess that's that oh. that theory's out the window. Yeah. No, no, no. We're we're, we're not going to have any uh, phantom blood in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your kiss. Your first kiss. <laughs> Are we going to a JoJo reference now? Yeah. Yes. yes, okay. Yes. 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 Me, Dio! <laughs> okay. Whew. Okay, we'll wait for Jen to revive. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to respawn. <laughs> okay. Um, the yeah, next I think one on the list. Ending, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, ending thought on uh, Jen X Margulis. Uh, it's it's very like Bara manly because <laughs> like you both end up right. with the uh, uh, the male bathing suits. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. funny. But um yeah the next one I don't know if we should do it because it's kind of a um <laughs> weird territory but um I guess I'm still gonna mention it because it's another thing that's pretty much in our faces. Halbino and the Kush washers. <laughs> oh boy. Oh I mean that uh, de- definitely abusive there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Def- definitely that's... there. I mean it all stems back to Sakura and it 
don't know. It's so weird. Cause I know. It's, they, it's very, they, like, the uncomfortable, like, kind of things that Albedo does. <laughs> I mean, because I see that this their relationship is different from who's, who's angle we're going at. Because if we're going through Albedo, he sees them as Sakura and I guess, yeah. but then if we see it from Kirschwasser's perspective, they love him unconditionally, which is so messed up. And yeah. because, I don't know what he had to do to them to, to make them like that. Well, because Kirschwasser's are, were basically the prototype to Momo. So no, everyone had their attention on Momo. So no one really saw them, but Albedo gave them the attention that they never got. Which is yeah, which is really which is would have been nice if Albedo wasn't so goddamn creepy about it. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a manipulative jerk. Yeah, gonna, he's gonna exploit that. Yeah, their their relationship is uh, kind of. Uh, I mean, it's really interesting and kind of more fleshed out in the anime, which is weird to give the anime praise for something, but. Um, yeah, I yeah. hear that they do do something with a curious foster that was that is uh, interesting, but I haven't seen it. So, well, we'll I don't we... quite remember because it's been too long. Well, we'll definitely need to have our an- Xenosaga anime night one of these days. Yeah, Catsicon twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, aside after that. Uh, that one we pretty much covered in the Ziggy episode, like Black to Slash Kingdom and Ziggy. Like that was pretty much covered. It's yeah. like the thing where uh I guess I guess Kanan would would have seen like Ziggy as a bodily figure a bit, but I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we already mm-hmm. Yeah, we we pretty much covered that in the Ziggy episode. Mary, Shelley, and Junior, we kind of covered that earlier, saying uh, they're pretty much like, keep him from trouble or try to. <laughs> but it's also Mary that's always like, oh, little master. Nephilim <laughs> <laughs> um, and Chaos. That's also kind of an interesting one. It's like, both of them know more stuff than others do, and they just kind of... <laughs> They kind of sit in the corner from time to time, talking and paraphrasing, may- giving all these mysterious things there that you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, they just sit there with their cryptic conversations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to think that's just um, they, when they talk to each other, they, they talk about, how can we confuse the players? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're kind of breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. Yeah. And- it just reminds me of that scene where in episode three, where Shion just gets tired of Nephilim's bullshit and just like, y- you're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being cryptic. But also, I do like the conversations that are a bit less cryptic, like uh, that one time where they pretty much mention how Shion is not ready yet or something like that. Like, that's. That's something we can think a bit more about, but at the same time, we don't fully have the details. We're like, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's still cryptic, but a bit less. But yeah, I, I do still enjoy it, or, because I always enjoy kind of mysterious characters. So mm. I do still enjoy those uh, kind of bait 
that they they throw at me, and I'm just like, what is this? What is this? Give me more, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, that as far as it goes, also like another kind of relationship that we don't fully see much of, but it's just it's just there. Okay. But also, also as a nipple, I'm kind of connected to this bit of Mary-ish thing. I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> but yeah. Alright. Yeah. I... Uh, uh, I guess the, uh, the only one we did not mention in this did you, Did you want to say something? Oh no, go on. Uh, the only one left, but that's not exactly fully love, but I guess it's more uh, of a tool thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, I wouldn't... Wild Wild but yeah, was just... No, nah, that's not love. I wouldn't I wouldn't. I, I was just love. trying to plug Wildhelm somewhere, but I was just like, well, yeah, okay, doesn't right. love anyone. <laughs> or... Okay, I have a Wilhelm thing. <laughs> oh, uh, there, yes. there are There are two pairings that I've seen in the past for them. One of them is Wilhelm and Chaos. The other yeah, is Wilhelm and Cosmos and or Mary. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yep. So that sort of like puts him into the Krellian paradigm with that. But then again, with chaos, I could really see it. It's just we don't see much yeah. interaction, but we can see that they know of each other and they know of like each one purpose. And there's been much of that that scene that always stuck with me, where it's like, "Oh, you're finally coming to the final stage," kind of thing. <laughs> it's just that that part always gets to me. Even though, like, I'm always like, Chaos, how the crap are you outside in space <laughs> on top of the ship? But whatever, you're Jesus. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jesus. He can do it. <laughs> yeah, Chaos and Wilhelm's relationship was kind of... It It was weird, but they... It's another cryptic thing. <laughs> like... Yeah, they're both obviously equals. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, like, I, I, I never wrote for them myself, and I never really researched anything because it seemed too difficult for me, but, like, both of them are very, like, I, I have a hard time characterizing them because they don't emote a lot, like, there's nothing that, em like, emotionally drives either of these characters that, that really stood out to me, but, like, I, I know a couple of people that's, like, uh... Wilhelm and Chaos were their thing, and it was a thing, and I don't, uh... I, it, it was a thing, uh, and th there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, I guess this is this pretty much close all of the Zillosaga stuff we had written. So, people who have not played Zillosaga, it's safe to come back now. <laughs> <laughs> but people who have not played Xenoblade, get one. out. <laughs> <laughs> Xenoblade 1, let's, let's specify, because some people played some, and some people did not play others. But <laughs> So yeah, Xenoblade 1, yay! <laughs> so, the, the first one I did write was uh, Mainet. I can't pronounce the name. Mainet? Uh, there you go. <laughs> Mainet. And an Eagle, Eagle. Because I find like there was a sort of a very high respecting for higher being kind of thing. And I thought it was right. kind of interesting. Although, to be honest, Zillblade 1, like I've seen the old plot only maybe once. So there's a lot of details that are just they pretty much pooped out of my head. <laughs> so, I mean... Well, so Lady Mayna, she's basically, like, a god in the eyes of the people of the Mechonis. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, that it makes sense for Eggle to kind of have some sort of worship and respect for her, and you see that in a lot of scenes. Yeah. But um, there's also the... I think it also ties a bit with the relationship he has with his sister kind of thing. Like, his sister kind of try to stop him because he's going a bit berserk. <laughs> and Maynard and all this is kind of like trying to be a bit more on the side of uh, Fiora since she's pretty much inside of her or something. But... yeah. And like, um, I think the the thing with Eggle uh, that that I noticed when I played, it's it's been a while for me too. Uh, is uh, Eggle is sort of deriving his his own uh, interpretation of what Maynith wants, rather than asking mm-hmm. her himself. Yeah. Um, it's it's sort of like uh, ambiguous whether or not Maynith is considered a living god or not, because uh, like uh, Maynith doesn't doesn't move around a whole lot uh, because she's also Mechanis herself. Uh, so when when Aegle goes to war against the people of Bionis, he does so sort of like without her blessing. We don't really get um, like the, the details of it, but like with Venea breaking off and undermining him, uh, like her... It, it's... I, I don't remember why, but... Uh, Venea can can get through to the true Maynith, but Egil can't. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also kind of a interesting theme with with people of one of the Titans, kind of like not necessarily knowing what how do I how do I put this? What's like, inside of Shulk, them or something? Okay, yeah, like Shulk, for example, Shulk wasn't really he didn't really know Zanza's true intentions nope. throughout most of the game. Nope. And you can kind of say that about Eggle as well. He didn't know Manus intentions either. And so Shulk kind of goes to the to the Mechanis with this mentality of, hey, I just wanna I just wanna kill these guys. They're just evil. There's nothing good about them. And then you kind of find out that Manus <laughs> is yeah. There, there's kind of a whole other perspective that nobody's considering here. Yeah, and it's pretty much like everyone was pretty much victim of like other people, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's as far as the plot goes. Like it's just yeah, like I said, everyone was victim to basically Sansa and the plot, the plot in general. Right, and like nobody was really evil to begin with, except maybe Sansa. <laughs> but even Sansa, I think. It's just, he, he kind of went a bit mad, but Bloodfield was necessarily, like, fully evil. It was just, well, like, different perspective. Well, yeah, but also, <laughs> you kind of say that when you take Xenoblade 2's ending into account. Spoilers. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and hmm. um, I'm, I'm also pretty sure that, that Mumcar is is pretty, pretty damn evil. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Momkar, he kind of ran on his own agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he didn't really care about anything else. He was just like, yeah. He, you does know, I care, just want this. he did care about them, then, <laughs> At some point. And then, and then he stopped. <laughs> yeah. 
Should we talk about that one? Because it's yeah, also sure. nice. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's like, Dunben and Mumkar are another uh, sort of like Jin and Margulis-ish uh, pair. Um, yeah. With the, uh, the thing being that uh, Mumkar is much less of a gentleman <laughs> than uh, Margulis is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Like, it's, it's a lot... <laughs> It's a lot more fun to see uh, the hero be the gentleman in this case, and have the villain be as dark as as he can be. Like Mumkar is like completely without refinement. It, like he's he's a great villain because all you do is hate him. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And he and, he doesn't really have much of a reason to do what he does. You're just like, no, nah, I just don't like him. I'm just gonna yeah. throw him under the bus. Yeah, just like um, yeah. The, the thing is, is that um. Dunban, when Dunban and Mumkar were friends, it sort of implied that um, people were really super drawn to Dunban and Mumkar, yep. yeah, uh, just sort of like along for the ride. And uh, when Dunban got the Monado, Mumkar became extremely jealous and just mm-hmm. wanted it. And then just like, okay, it's down, it's downward from here. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And and with that in mind, it's like you can almost you can probably say that like. Mumkar didn't really care about the Monado itself. It was just more so having something that he can one-up. Um, I mean, sorry. Mumkar didn't really care about the Monado itself. He just wanted something that can let him one-up uh, Dunban. Mm. I almost said Jin for some reason. <laughs> so good. Oh. Well, Dunban is kind of the Jin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, I guess we should go with, like, pretty much the main ship of this thing. Shulk and Fiora. <laughs> but you guys uh, yeah, did cover Shulk. a bit of that in the Melia episode, but Yeah. Yeah, Shulk and Fiora. Um y- yeah, I-, I really like that um I like that pairing. Yes, it's the very cliche main character, main girl pairing. But they're cute. But I actually <laughs> childhood. I actually friends. really like how it um yeah, I like how it how that particular pairing panned out. Uh, I actually found it a little bit relatable on a personal note. But um I, I really liked the whole, there's this childhood friend, right? But unfortunately, there's so much that Shulk couldn't bring himself to say to her. And then there's the whole thing with her dying, and then that becomes a whole thing. You kind of see this whole other side of Shulk that comes out. Because you meet Shulk, he's just very much this soft-spoken guy. He's very intelligent, he's well-respected, but he's he's not really great at expressing his feelings. And no. then this happens with with Fiora and all of that just comes out at once. Yep. And I also thought that was really, really interesting. And then when they come back, I like that again because he has Fiora back, but it's different. There's always something different between the two mm-hmm. of them. It's not the exact same relationship that they had before. And mm-hmm. even though they try really hard to kind of bring it back to it, but there's still that slight disconnect there. And I, and that that's why I really like this particular pairing, even though it is technically a cliche pairing. I, d- I did think that Xenoblade One did some things to make it a little bit more interesting than it otherwise would have been. Yeah, it's it's sure. a, it's definitely a vanilla ship, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, should we go with the <laughs> the next one? Although that no. the, the next one you guys kind of covered. But... Yeah, we already. Yeah, sure. Oh, we can do it real quick. Shulk and Melia. I mean, um, 
we've spoken about that quite a bit in the Melia yeah, episode, which is love. worth listening to. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting because you could say that's one side of love, but is it really though? Because at some point, it almost does seem like I guess like Shulk does kind of warm up to Melia in some in some parts. Yeah, based on how, and, and I guess it's all dependent on how much hope he has for getting Fiora back at that point. And I think that the further you go into the story and uh, Fiora is back, uh, the, the the more sad Melia becomes about it. And yeah. it's just like, obviously, I can't have this thing anymore. How do I deal mm-hmm. with this? This is happening now in real time. And she doesn't yeah. really get the chance to slow down and process anything. So she just yeah. like, bottles it up. And that... And that's why I've said before that like I think Melia is such a such an interesting character, such a great uh, character uh, because yeah. you can see just how much she's holding back and mm-hmm. so many of the cutscenes, and it's done in like such a stupidly simple way. It's like there's cutscenes where they pan to Melia and she just tilts her head down, and it's like it's such a simple thing, but it says so much. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. does. Or like the scene where. Uh... Shulk and Fiora are like holding hands and they pass Melia by and she just has that right. really dumbstruck look on her face and it's just uh And then there's that other um I believe this is an optional scene where uh, it's later on where um it was that part of the game where like Shulk was kind of reduced to like a shell basically and he was just like a corpse. And they're trying to, like, bring him back. And if you play as Melia and walk up to Shulk, there's, like, an optional scene where Melia kind of just basically confesses her feelings to him. And I think it's, like, almost implied that she kisses him, but the mm. but the game doesn't really, like, go all the way on it. Mm-hmm. That's cute. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I believe you. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta find it, because I'm probably um, mixing some things up, but I remember there was a scene like that somewhere. But I, I could I could find that and send it. Sounds good. So I guess the next one would be Melia and Kaylee and yeah, which is like yeah, but yeah, I just I just find this brother sister relationship to be super cool. Like Kaylee yeah, he's is... basically one of the only positive things in her previous life, or rather <laughs> yeah. the life that happened before she hung out with Shulk. Yeah. yeah. Him and and her dad too, because they were both oh, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. very very supportive of her. It was just unfortunately her mom was just really toxic and terrible. <laughs> well, it's actually not her mom; it's her stepmom. Yeah, her stepmom. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. right. But uh, like her being Callian's mom and like the 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 one that's there is she's basically mm-hmm. like she she's the princess, the upcoming empress, but she's treated like a like a scullery maid. Like she she would have had uh, a better life if she weren't royalty. Yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. also because she's half blood and all that stuff, and they're like yeah. meh meh meh. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very good that Callian keeps uh, treats her properly, um, because there are just so few people in her in her life that 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 do. And yeah, I think Callian it's, is a sweetheart. Yeah, just I I just really love the character in general. Like, 
it, it, it hurts so much though whenever he turns I'm just like no yeah, yeah. and it's, it's like something has something tragic has to happen to this guy he's too good <laughs> yeah basically and I was so sad because he was legit one of my favorite characters I was just like no but uh, yeah definitely a very good brother and character in general looking out for his sis so. Can I add uh, something here? Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, so missing from this list uh, was Melia and Dunban. And I think oh, uh, yeah. it's it's one of my favorite pairings, but I, I've heard people accuse it of like pairing the spares. But also... Then go go um, ahead if you want to have yeah. it. Like I said, like, <laughs> yeah. there's a bunch of interaction in Blade 1 right. that I forgot. So yeah. just, You're good. just go ahead. Um, but yeah, Dunban is kind of like the most refined in the party aside from Melia. Yeah. And um like they they connect um in places, probably not not to the extent uh that Melia starts feeling for Shulk. Um, but um there there is a spark there and uh Dunban does talk a lot about um uh living in uh the palace after everybody goes home and I, ha I have sort of like this this thing this this bud of a fanfic that i've never written where like dunban swears to melia to to be around always uh but she never accepts him romantically and he dies without like being accepted by her and like on his deathbed she's like i do love you uh, but i've i've never written that <laughs> it just like is just lives in my head it's a bit of flash fiction and now you're all sad <laughs> but yeah, I I do agree that this is a relationship that's also interesting. It's mostly like mutual respect and stuff. And well, Dunban, like you said, it, it he's kind of like he's kind of like the the figure that everyone looks up to in the he's group. He's a senpai. Yeah, he's a senpai. <laughs> <laughs> he's a senpai of the group. But yeah, um, I guess Sharla and Juju, like brother and sister. But mm -hmm. then again, that there's not that many interactions except like at the beginning that Juju appears. <laughs> but like you can see how much Sharla pretty much like cares for her brother, and like her brother pretty much like tries to do stupid shit. <laughs> but, but we we do save his butt at least. <laughs> At least, but yeah. But um, at some time, yeah. I think think it's interesting whenever that's introduced. Like it's a good way to introduce uh, colony nine was nine, right? Yeah, nine was. Yeah, I have colony six. Colony six nine nine was the main one. See, I have bad memory with names. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what it's kind of briefly mentioned because it's mostly like. We have a couple of scenes, and that's pretty much it. And then Juju is left in the background. <laughs> but um, I guess that also connects, though, to Shala and Gato. Mm. Hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, Gato. But yeah, these two, like, they, they have a relationship that was very intimate, apparently. <laughs> Just, we did mm. not see too many of it. But <laughs> Yet another off-screen romance. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but still, like, 
he stayed behind yeah, like, to, to to pretty much attack people and he got taken over because of that. And it's implied that uh, Juju kind of looked up to Gadalt and Gadalt was like really, really kind to him as well, which is probably what made Charlotte like him even more. And that's why, um, I guess this leads into our next pairing, that's kind of why Charlotte really likes Ryan or Rain or how... Is it Ryan or Rain? Ryan. Ryan? Yeah, I've always said Ryan, but I've heard people say Rain, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's kind of why she really likes Ryan, because she she sees Gattle in him. Yeah. Which makes that and relationship kind of questionable, because you start to wonder if she really likes him, or rebound. is it just like rebound. a rebound? Exactly. Yeah, it's super reboundy. <laughs> yeah, and she's just kind of like, oh, wow, he reminds me of my dead boyfriend. Oh, I want him oh, now. Not, o- like, not only your dead boyfriend, but your your boyfriend who may be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's terrible. Yeah, I, I don't... I know, uh, Shola and Rain, I don't care for that relationship too much. Yeah, yeah and like, And whenever the game tried to imply that those two would get together, were among the cringier moments of that game's story for me. Because yeah. it just kind of felt very rushed, very tacked on. And part of the reason for that is because Sharla doesn't get enough screen time herself. She doesn't yeah. get a whole lot of character development. And it's unfortunate because I think her relationship and Ryan's relationship, kind of, they kind of suffer for that. And her relationship with Melia suffered with that, too. Because there's a few scenes where she tries to kind of, like, egg Melia on and encourage her to pursue Shulk. But nothing comes of that. Yeah, yeah and, it comes off very catty and sort yeah. of, like, detracts from her character. Uh, which sucks. <laughs> so I think, like, both of those pairings, like... And, those relationships would have had a lot more meaning and weight to them had Charlotte been given more character development, more time, and just more screen time in general. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, it's the kind of relationship that, like, if it had more screen time, we would have, it would have more impact kind of thing. For but sure. it did not kind of. <laughs> but, yeah. So, sadly, a few characters get, like, the short end of the stick. Um, yeah, that, yeah. Continue. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I think like of the Xenoblade One's cast, Charla is she's kind of the Rico. <laughs> yeah, a little bit in it's a like, sense. Oh, we introduced you because of like the plot and the new area, and then yeah. it's like we push you on the side. Bye bye. <laughs> and then she she's only really relevant because of Gattle. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. Unfortunately, Charla, I think she is one of the weaker members of Xenoblade One's cast mm-hmm. just because of that. Mm-hmm. So should we move to the next one? Mm. Uh and Dumban, but that's more like brother and sister again. Um, yeah. Yeah, basically Fiora takes care of him like at the beginning because he can't really move his arm and he, he kind of gets like to shulk afterwards being that that, that senpai <laughs> figures. And um, later on, I'm trying to remember like what happens where I'm just like so confused in my head. But later on, I think that's whenever like Pura comes around again. Like he kind of he kind of has like a few moments too where he's kind of a bit emotional about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
but he's not fully showing it because he's trying to be the senpai. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, one of my favorite moments um, with Dunban, it was the whole I won't cry yeah. thing. I actually, th- I think that's Probably one of the see. best lines in the whole game, mm-hmm. and uh, and that, that's something that really like strikes a chord with me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what one thing that I like about Dunban is he's very protective of Fiora. He obviously really, really, really cares for her, and it speaks volumes that he trusts Shulk with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, you can see though that he. He had emotions when he was bottling up, but he was yeah. just like keeping it strong because he was like the <laughs> senpai of the figure. Yeah, that's why, like in that scene, um, where Fiora dies, and then they pan to Dunban's face, and he's got that like "oh shit" look. It it means something. <laughs> yeah. He's like "oh shit" look, but I, I gotta <laughs> get it together because they're yeah. looking up to me. <laughs> just, um, but yeah. It's definitely like another relationship that's pretty fun, but also kind of doesn't have too many like front side, like fronts mm-hmm. pretty much screen time. Like it because the screen time is often more about Pura and Shulk, and right. Dunban is often I feel more like eh, I'm just gonna leave them alone kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, Dunban as a reprise to. To Jin Uzuki uh, and Fiora, sort of like sh- Fiora, definitely isn't Shion, but she she is the Shion w- like within that metaphor. Uh, I think it's sort of like oh good, uh, a implied Uzuki uh, siblings that get along. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good. It was good right. to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I guess we we kind of got into that already, the Dunban and Shulk. Um, that, that was a bit weird, but <laughs> Alvis and Shulk, because it's just like, it feels like Al- Alvis, Alvis, Alvis has more and of Shulk. A, a kind of, sorry, go ahead. It's alright. Uh, Alvis and Shulk is a big ship. <laughs> um, just gonna say that there. Um, well, I mean, like, I mean, the first I mean, thing that appears is just like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's yeah, just okay. and like Alvis is is very uh, akin to um, chaos mm-hmm. and a little bit of wave existency. My my first reaction when I saw him, I was like, "Oh my god, it's older chaos!" I am totally into that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I definitely find it interesting. Like he's mostly like the a bit like chaos, like. I'm gonna watch on the side and not do much, but it still does a bit more than what Chaos does. <laughs> like, like sometimes you take one side or another, but it's kind of neutral, but he's mostly doing it so you can see, like... I feel like the whole time he's trying to see, like, where Shulk is gonna go. Like, he's kind of interested in seeing, like, the plot go kind of, kind of thing. He feels like a bit like a fourth wall character. <laughs> But that's that's a feeling it gave me, anyways. What about you guys? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's just trying to be mysterious. And yeah, just kind of a sit down and enjoy the show kind of guy. Yeah, but I do enjoy yeah. characters like that, like I said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I see it as any type of love, though. 
Yeah, I feel like it's more of a, oh, I'm, I'm interested in you. I'm just going to keep watching because it, it, it's interesting. You know? mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, Dixon and Dunban? <laughs> I suppose senpai. Dixon would be the senpai of the senpai. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's more like familial love between the two until the whole like betrayal thing. Yeah, basically. It's just, it I, I thought I would put it there still because it's just like, I mean, so much happens, but I think like so little happens. It's just, I'm not quite sure how to put it, but at some time it's kind of still in her face kind of relationship. Like they feel like good friends until the betrayal happens. <laughs> like it feels like they have a big mutual trust to each other, or at least until we find out that Dixon is a traitor. And yeah, I I don't know. I thought I would put it there mostly as friendship kind of mm -hmm. relationship. Um, Shulk and Dixon also are kind of in the way yeah, that Dixon familiar. pretty much is like the one that found Shulk and the Yeah. And mm. He, I feel like Shulk was looking up to him a lot, a bit. Yeah, not fully as a father, but almost. I'm not sure, like, or maybe as another senpai. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's very like uh, Shulk sees Dixon as just about his father. Yeah. It's not. It, it's not in like ingrained. Shulk isn't talking about Dixon like consist consistently it seems like uh there's like definitely a positive relationship uh there so like uh, a, a lot of other um ips uh there's like problems with uh like it's the kid who doesn't like his father's like no i hate my dad so like the kid is always going on about how, how how much they hate their dad so the plot becomes about how much they hate their dad but uh dixon uh treats Shulk properly and uh, it's extremely tragic when he shoots him and kills him <laughs> yeah. and it turns out that he's been like just Pretty much. shepherding this body to be the host for his true master. Yeah. It's like, okay, your time has come, bitch. <laughs> Basically. But yeah, that's what makes it so interesting because for a while you're like, Oh, this guy's very nice. And then you're like, mm -hmm. this guy's getting suspicious. What the hell? And then it's like, what? <laughs> but that's also what made the fight yeah. uh, between Shulk and Dixon later on in the game mm -hmm. carry so much weight in the cutscene that happened I read afterwards. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I remember that cutscene being quite shocking. It was just like, whoa, this, this is a lot to take in. <laughs> Because that goes back to what you were just saying about how Dixon does care for Shulk. Yeah, he does. Like, they do have a positive relationship despite all this other stuff happening. There still, there still is an example. It's a, it's a weird one because, like, usually you have, like, those, um, those characters fighting their fathers or their mentors. And it's, like, an obvious thing that their mentors are evil and they always have that kind of resentment towards them but this is a situation where no they actually had a decent relationship but unfortunately there's all this other stuff going on that's causing dixon to turn on shulk and you know shulk is has to fight him yeah yes it, it, it's really like something that part 
Ricky. Ricky. The uh, there's there there's a meme going around and it's uh Ricky fucks. <laughs> <'Cause> oh. He, <laughs> oh. He has oh ten god. kids. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was it's pretty amazing to find out that Ricky's not only like forty years old, but he has like a, a wife and like yeah, as you said, ten kids. And, yeah, it's crazy. And the, and the reason why he's a hero pawn is to pay off the debt his family uh, incurs through eating so much food. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so he. I guess that's love. Yeah, that is the kind of love. But also, so, like Ricky, Ricky's a very interesting character too. Like, I feel like he's often like the one that. A lot of people kind of go to to confess like their troubles to, and he's always like, "Don't worry, everyone, Ricky got it or something." I don't yeah, know. yeah, especially him and Melia. Off. Yeah, especially him and Melia had a really nice uh, relationship. Yeah, that was so sad um, when Colleen died, and uh, Ricky has that whole thing where he where he says a whole um, Ricky Nasi bird bird. What what did he say? Oh, what was the line? He's like Ricky not see bird person, but feels him or something like that. Aww. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Your words will stay with me forever. His words. Oh, Ricky heard. Ricky heard Melly's brother. Callian uh, say, hope of bird people. Hmm, where Melly's brother? Oh, Ricky not see him, but Ricky hear him. Ricky. You too heard his parting words. Thank you. So, do we add more on Ricky, or is that it? I have a, another thing that was left off the list. All right, go ahead. All right. Um. So Zanza and Maynith. Oh uh, yeah, I totally yeah. forgot that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's uh, I consider it as as prominent as Shulk and uh, Fiora. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Like definitely. we we don't get a whole lot of Klaus and uh, I guess Maynith in uh, Xenoblade One, but. Uh, like when you press the button and become the god of a new world uh you don't just become the god of a new world with somebody that you don't super care for you know just like it's obvious that klaus had a lot of feelings for mayneth there yeah um and uh like it's um i don't do a whole lot of like klaus stuff but um uh, it's there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely there, and I mean, it's just at the same time, like, Zanza is a bit of, like, the well, as we've learned later in another thing that I won't mention because we're currently in Blade 1, yep. like, he's kind of like a, a version that's a bit, like, going insane, and yeah, going like with Zanza... like super big ambitions and stuff, while Maynard yeah. kind of kept her kind of 
cool kind of kindish spirit towards stuff. Yeah. And like Zanza is sort of Klaus at his worst. Yeah. And um like the the power that he's given with him at his worst is uh completely destructive. Mm-hmm. And Correct. he seems he seems almost irredeemable. Um I guess I'll I'll leave it off there. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of um, is it on the list? No, it's not on the list. So that kind of goes into like Xenoblade Two because that see that, this is why Xenoblade Two is really interesting because you see Zenza and it's just like this clear cut. Yeah, he he's a villain, and you kind of see Klaus, and you just think he's just this mad scientist doing dumb stuff and just creating this world that he's just going to destroy. Like, wow, he's a jerk. <laughs> but when you see Xenoblade 2, I was and then you find out that... I was trying to go there right away, though, in case. Yeah, I, I know, but unfortunately, because we've all played that, it's like, you can't not mention it. Yeah, like, um, yeah. But when you play Xenoblade 2, and you find out that there's a little bit more to that story <laughs> than we thought. Yeah. And he ended up making two worlds, and essentially, he's... Klaus is basically split into two and you have this weird duality of mm-hmm. one where he's trying to help the world and one where he's trying to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's only one world is one where he's trying to destroy it. That's why that game is a lot darker. It's, it's a lot more bleak and then Xenoblade 2 is a happier world because he's actively trying to make it flourish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So uh, this is part one of our love episode uh stay tuned we'll hopefully uh return next time and discuss uh uh love within xenoblade x and xenoblade 2 uh thanks for joining us and i'll uh, we'll uh, see you next time have a good night states stay tuned cold fire claims to my